Vagina dentata or not, I don't understand people who go skinny dipping in a mucky-ass creek, climb up into a mossy cave, and then have sex. <laughs> it's like, do you want a disease? Because that's how you get a disease. Welcome to SinCast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Holla! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Yeah! 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> <laughs> so what makes you guys mad i feel like i'm taking crazy pills i'm as mad as hell you've never seen me very upset i'm gonna tell you what makes me mad can i go first i'm gonna go, go for first. it go for it fucking teeth man teeth yeah fucking teeth i hate that movie too no you meant you meant your teeth. <laughs> yeah fucking teeth man like if you miss a cleaning like your jaw is gone and then it's like oh it's gonna require eighteen hundred dollars and 17 screws and uh, fuck yeah. you we don't even have any laughing gas today i think teeth are uh, nature's uh last laugh really that we have to <laughs> fucking brush these things and floss and you gotta do it so carefully for so long all right so I I took very good care of my teeth growing up. I had braces. My parents insisted. Somewhere around college, I stopped flossing. I still brushed. I didn't brush with any kind of urgency or, you know, <laughs> education. Kind of like the devil was um, chasing me. <laughs> but for about 10 years, I just didn't go to the dentist. My mindset mm. was, man, I don't got any problems. I don't feel any pains. I brush. What the hell? And... Ultimately, that has done uh, done some damage to uh, to old Jeremy here. <laughs> so once I started going to the dentist again in my early thirties, um, you know everything was copacetic. But about a year ago, they were like, "Hey, we gotta we gotta talk. We can't keep scraping, you know, these stains off your teeth. We're gonna start scraping teeth." And uh, so I've got like fake teeth on the top front now. I'm not ashamed to admit it. They look mm-hmm. beautiful, mm-hmm. better than my real teeth ever did. Um, and about four months after that process, uh, I developed a little bit of a pain uh, that I didn't really think anything up. Um, <clears throat> flash for four months further, and I go in yesterday for a routine teeth cleaning. Um, and as they sometimes do when I go in for a routine teeth cleaning, it's time to take x-rays. We haven't mm-hmm. done them in a year or what have you. So we take x-rays, <laughs> and she's looking at the x-rays, and then... She leaves the room. And I'm like, this is probably not good. <laughs> mm, mm. She comes back and I said, you know, I do have this. I do remember this, you know, this pain I kind of had in my upper gums that was tiny. I never really thought anything of it. She's like, I think you have an abscess. You, oh. might, need a, you might need a root canal. Oh. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. She says, let me, let me get the. Let me get our financing coordinator back here. Oh, no. like, oh my God, this is a very bad sign. Mm-hmm. And so the financing coordinator comes back and says, this is what it'll cost, but we need to wait for the doctor. And so then the dentist comes in. I really like 
everybody at my dentist. I hate going to the dentist. Yeah. It is anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot stand it. But the people are really great. Um, so I don't want to give the wrong impression. So the dentist comes in, walks over to the, to the computer screen, literally looks at my x-ray for all of three seconds and says, without turning to me, you're going to need a root canal. <laughs> and I said, that's what she said. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so she, I signed this form. And they're like, well, we're going to schedule you three weeks from today. And the dentist goes, wait, we just had a cancellation. And he mm. goes, let me double check. I think we can take care of this today. And mm. I, he goes out of the room. And I'm like, honestly, I would rather just go home today and dread it for three more weeks before doing it. <laughs> uh, and he pops back in and convinces me, let's just do this today. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. I remember when I had the fake teeth put on my teeth, like they sent me drugs the night before. Oh, yeah. And then I had to take drugs that morning, and I got really goofy and literally fell asleep. I was six hours in that chair. Um, <clears throat> and I'm like, all right, bring on the drugs. No drugs. Oh. There's no drugs. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's, there was Novocaine or yeah. whatever they call the anesthesia they use today. And uh, that was it, boys. Oh, no. And, yeah. No gas? <clears throat> no gas. Oh. Uh, I might have could have asked for it, but uh, the guy is a very no-nonsense kind of guy. Yeah. He came back in to convince me. He's like... I think we should do it today. And I was like, uh, and he's like, let's do it today. And I was like, all right. And uh, so in hindsight, I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, sure. Because, um, you know, ultimately took glad of a problem, uh, took care of a problem. Um, and I've got some drugs right now to get through whatever pain I'm dealing with. But let me tell you, the, the, the time I spend in that chair is among the most unpleasant time I've ever spent in any chair. Mm. Uh, mm. And I've sat in some really uncomfortable chairs uh, yeah. <laughs> for a really long time. And uh, try to take care of your teeth, kids, so that you don't ever have to have a root canal. Not even my parents have ever had to have a root canal. That's how, that's how poorly I took care of my teeth for that 10-year stretch. And uh, I pray I never have to have another one. And uh, teeth, I think, are the enemy. Really. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Man. It's a, it, you know, the Novocaine is great. But when it goes in, man, that's like some of the most searing pain that you can ever. You're not have. kidding. I mean, and it, it, they try and like Novocaine tries to like make its reputation good by like, well, it's, it's after three seconds, you don't feel it anymore. But that's those first three seconds are like searing. That medicine hurts. It's worse than a needle. Oh, and yeah. he was like, he got, he gave me four shots. We're gonna numb your nose. Like he was having fun with it. And uh, anyway. Um, I'm out on the other side of it, but uh, it was sucky, and I wanted to rant about it um, because root canals can eat my ass. And I, <laughs> I got to tell you, I have been brushing and flossing like a motherfucker for the last 24 hours. I imagine. There you I, go. Uh, it's good. To, uh, it's good to know that uh, there's somebody else a part of the fake teeth club here because I myself oh, yes. have several. Um, the uh, the yeah, but you like had a baseball knock yours out or something. Yeah, harmless, right? baseball yeah. hit 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 two of them in the back, and then. Uh, there was an enamel issue on one that was right next to those two. So they, they capped that one as well mm. um, later on. Uh, so I have three that are, you know, that are, you know, I don't notice them unless I'm like <laughs> noticing them, already noticing right. them. But, uh, but yeah, um, all that, uh, it seems like everything that I ever ran into in my life always had to do with something to do with the teeth. It, uh, it sucks. It does no, suck. Did you ever yeah, see you know, that movie? Teeth? I never saw it. Oh, yeah. yeah. A couple yeah. Times. I've seen, seen teeth a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Teeth is fun. <laughs> teeth is fun. It's yeah. Not a bad like, movie, it's, man. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that it mainly due to, mainly due to me, we've had like hundreds of teeth references in Sin, Sin's videos. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
and uh, mainly because Jess Wexler shows up and it. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And then, then, uh, then, yeah. In in one of our one of our videos that we had for our, our patrons, we uh, I did a teeth reference in that too. But <laughs> that movie's fun, man. It's so stupid. It's it's like violence porn because it's because uh, every dude that she runs into a wants to fuck her and b wants to do wants to do it the wrong way and so she you know her defense mechanisms kick in every time even the doctor yeah exactly who's like you know vagina dentata about five <laughs> 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 all right i need to watch I, this. dude seriously this is <laughs> teeth is right the fuck up your alley yeah you'd enjoy it you'd enjoy i figured it. it was just like a one trick like premise basically it kind where... of is but it's funny it's <laughs> a fun <laughs> movie. i mean i think it probably has a, it's also got another layer underneath there i think i, th- yeah, I think yeah. it i think it gives her plenty of agency um i think you would dig it all right mm-hmm. all right but um, also, vagina dentata or not, I don't understand people who go skinny dipping in a mucky ass creek, climb up into a mossy cave, and then have sex. <laughs> it's like, do you want a disease? Because that's how you get a disease. <laughs> um, I, I I have been driving a little bit more lately, just because every it seems like the stores that I go to have a policy now. Whereas before, like it was like a couple of months into the pandemic and everything. Nobody knew what the fuck to do. Yep. So no, so you didn't know, have, you didn't have any, any kind of policy. Now you go to places and it's like, Hey, better wear your mask. We won't let you in. And so I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's how we get things done in society these days. Um, but, uh, driving around now and I, I've, 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 it's rekindled, things that I can't stand about other drivers. Um, even though there are fewer of them out there this in, in this uh, day and age, but um, this one is very small. I have way more grievances about driving than just this. Um, <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> I can pick any single part of driving and I can give you something or rant about it. Um, but just waiting in traffic at a green light, and over in the other lane, there's a car that's the first in line for the for the traffic light, just kind of lurching every four five seconds, just uh, moving forward, yes. moving mm. forward, and then like stopping and then moving forward and moving forward again. And you're just like, okay, if you were anticipating the light changing, I can maybe see you do this, mm-hmm. but the light just fucking changed red. And you can see all the cars that are going back and forth across the road that you can't <laughs> currently drive across. Um, and like, what do you, what are you accomplishing there? What is the thing? What is the what? Is, what is it that you need to do with that lurch there? Like, <laughs> got I got to pretend like I'm at least going somewhere while That's I'm not right. in motion. You know, um, uh, I can kind of understand it if you were going to turn on a road, like if you're turning right on a road you might want to lurch a little bit and to so you can kind of get a better look and mm-hmm. see if you if you can make it but this person was going straight they had to wait for the light so i don't understand what this they did it about five or six times just this God, he's in this, the middle of the they, fucking intersection they, they get a bit they get pretty like far up there like I, <laughs> i'd say i'd say like the nose of the car is probably just a just across 
the part where like you know a bike lane would be so therefore mm. cars can still get past it but like they're still like just they just keep moving and moving and moving <laughs> i don't know what it is like i said it's there's a lot of habits that people have but they just they don't know that they're doing it mm. this is, might be one of those things but it is infuriating for me to watch it it shouldn't be infuriating but i get angry this is I get, this is actually something that doesn't affect you but it doesn't at all i'm not in their lane i'm not coming down the other lane i'm in the left lane this person isn't even this has nothing to do with me you're right but okay, i get is, just, but i get huh there is one possibility i have thought of okay and I, I have to ask you a question first and okay. you, was was the road flat yes Okay. Yeah, you're, when I had you're talking stick, about uphill? Well, when I had a stick, if it was uphill and I was at a light, I would sometimes, you know, play with the clutch and the gas, mm. and it would lurch me forward a little bit, and then I'd roll back, and it would lurch me forward a little bit, and I'd roll back, instead of just sitting there with my foot on the brake. Uh, but it doesn't sound like that was the situation here. And I have seen people in automatics that, that do what you're talking about, that just lurch like they're just so fucking impatient <laughs> they think they can change the light through their sheer actions. You guys know the the, the intersection I'm talking about. It's 46th. Um, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, And this is where that was happening. So, uh, yeah, um, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's, there's no hill. Um, uh, now, I, I mean, for all I know, it could be something that's similar to that, but it's, you know, they I don't know what they're doing. Um but yeah, I mean, there, there are times, I'm like, yeah, you, this isn't affecting me at all, but there have been times where I've been at a, I've been at a light and somebody is turning left and their left turn signal comes on mm-hmm. and you're, and you're over in the other lane. You don't have to go, but they have to, well, they should be going They're the, and you're, and you, and it's like, are you, are you, they're just stopped there. They're just like. You're going to miss your light, man. Do you honk? Like, do you honk? I'm so angry you're not going right now. Like, does he need um, a reminder? I don't know. It's just, it, I, I, but even then, when my light changes, I'm like, well, that guy didn't get to turn left. What a fucker. You know? So, I was, uh, <laughs> I went to play golf a couple weeks ago and I decided to go to a really, really nice course. This was a bad idea, by the way. If you are rusty at golf, don't go play a really nice course because it will own your ass. Um, but um, I'm like a mile, mile and a half away, and I'm at a stoplight, and I'm on the right lane, and there's a car next to me that I haven't even looked at, but I just know he's there. And I look up at the light, and it's red. <clears throat> and then I realize after the light, I've got about 50 feet, and then my lane ends. Mm. And... I have a very fast car. I don't get to drive it very fast very often. I go from zero to 40 very quickly a lot. And that's mm-hmm. really all I get to do. And so here I was like, okay, it's, it's the courteous thing of me here almost now that I've realized this to just gun the shit out of it and mm-hmm. see you later. And <clears throat> the light goes green. I throw, I don't want to say too much about my car. I don't want people finding me in public. Uh, <laughs> I throw it down. I have a, a German-made Autobahn-ready vehicle. And I know in like a second and a half, this guy is going just as fast as I am. Oh. And I look over, and he just guns it past me, and he has an Audi. Um, a very <laughs> nice German-manufactured car built for the Autobahn. And I thought, oh, great. Now he thinks I was being an asshole. And that I probably knew before the red light that that lane ended. Uh, And I proceeded to have to follow this person 
all the way to the golf course, to the parking lot, and oh, into the clubhouse. And oh, it was embarrassing. <laughs> I was mortified, and I just tried not to make eye contact. <laughs> you know what I wish they'd bring over here? In, uh, in the UK, they've got those stoplights that give you a yellow light before the green light. Ah, uh, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yes. And, and it, it's very helpful. I was like, when I first saw that, I was like, holy shit, that's, that's a great idea. Like if, if the, 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 the road is clear, you could go on and go on the yellow light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you like a, a nice advance warning of when you're about to be let loose from your purgatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only place I've seen it. Uh, in, uh, in France, they don't have it. I, I could, I could deal with that. I could use mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Could have that in my life. I could have that in my life. Mm-hmm. In my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I've got a quick rant about football. All right. American mm-hmm. football, not mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. How the fuck is this going to work? Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Everybody, like, I didn't do fantasy this year until somebody just in the, in the league harassed me about it. Uh, but, uh, like, oh my I God, just... I should have ranted about that. <laughs> but like, like everybody is proceeding. Like this is just normal. Like mm-hmm. we're going to go into a normal season. There's no preseason, but it's going to start on September 9th or whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm getting, you know, alerts from training camp and Packers is who I follow. And, uh, and they're like, man, Rogers looked really good today. And I'm like, why is everybody pretending that this is going to go just completely normally? The, the, nothing has changed. You're still going to be breathing on each other and tackling each other, even if you're playing in in uh, empty stadiums and stuff like that. This the, you're still traveling. It doesn't make sense to me. There's no way this season is going to get through all the way, right? Or well, if it is, it's not going to be with with the same players, right? Especially when you have to you have to trust every single player, every single player. Yes. Not to do what dozens of MLB and college players have already done, and that's go to a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, strip clubs don't have COVID. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the things that the strippers do to the pole? They like bring out some Clorox <laughs> and wipe disgusting. it down. They clean uh, the shit out of it, man. Oh, yeah. that's gross. That's mm-hmm. some gross shit. But, that's I mean, grosser like, than powdered we, soap. We've seen... <laughs> We've seen it in Major League Baseball. Baseball is still charging on, and uh, who knows? Maybe they will uh, finish the season. But we've seen but see, even baseball. In baseball is not going to produce the aerosol droplets exactly through constant laborious activity. Football, you are lining up face to face, and yeah. you are. If you so don't get somebody spit droplets. on you, <laughs> like yeah, seriously, you're doing and, something wrong. And, well, and let's not forget that. You know, two teams in the in Major League Baseball had an outbreak. They right. had, yep. they couldn't play for an entire week, and they and they were told they needed to wait longer than that, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know that that's that's just from people just going out and crap and and everything. Just you know, it, all it takes is one yeah. to yeah. go out and just like you know slide their tongue across the bar like I do. <laughs> And and they get it, and then they give it to everybody else. You know, yeah. look, I know yeah. there. Are, I know for a fact there's a couple of flat earthers in the NFL. You don't think there's some anti-vaxxers, <laughs> anti-COVID oh, yeah. people who are going to be like, okay, I'll wear the mask while coach is looking, but then I'm going to go to Ruby Tuesdays, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to a strip club. 
<laughs> that lets me bring my Ruby Tuesdays inside. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I just think it's a – you're absolutely right. It's a, I'm much more concerned with college athletics because – Well, absolutely. College mm. athletes, college students are, are living in dorms together, and that makes everything way, way, way more dangerous. Because the NFL players can have – the NFL player can have like a – you know, fancy five thousand square foot hotel suite all to themselves, but a college kid's sharing a dorm room with another kid. That's just dangerous, man. Well, yeah, and they're not paid. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, that's like the other thing. The uh, this is their employment. Like I, I understand the players' point of view in the NFL because if you're making six million dollars this year, uh, you had the option of opting in or opting out. I I understand that, but with college, man, you're getting your tuition paid for, maybe. But like, it's just, it's so, I feel like I'm living in bizarro land when I watch ESPN or something like that. And they're like, well, the, the Packers completed the training camp today. You got a lot of reps and stuff like that. Like, why are you covering this? Like, it's a normal thing. I don't, I don't get, there's no way it's going to be, mm. normally I would be super excited this time of year because I love football and I love, you know, the fall coming up and all that stuff. But like, I just, I can't get it up if, uh, if I know that there's no chance of this working, the NBA, I have no problem watching. In fact, it's been very exciting, even though there's no fans in the, in the uh, arena because that bubble concept makes sense. And it has worked so far. Uh, I haven't watched any hockey because the Preds were bounced so early, but uh, they're doing the same, uh, the same concept. Yeah. But your trader team, the Blackhawks are still playing. <laughs> I have also, watched a few. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I am at strip clubs. I can't get it up. If I know for sure, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So true. Should live by these rules. <laughs> I went to a strip club one time and I'll leave any names out of this, but, uh, one of the guys that I was with wanted to get a lap dance from from the the girl that came up to us, and she was she was like, "Okay, that's cool. I'm not going to suck your dick. You can't put your fingers in me." Jesus. So 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 Barrett, I'll go ahead and tell that was me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to keep it in a no, no. I heard the story, and I was like, "I thank you for not outing me." However, I will, for the sake of our listeners, um, bring this up because it was hilarious. Um, I uh, like, yeah, I, ha- I had to. She was very tall. I had to. Um, anyway, like, no, she says, like, yeah, you, I'm not going to suck your dick. You can't put your fingers in me. You just very matter of fact. Yeah, just this list of stuff that you. Yeah, you, know, you can't like, finger my butthole or something. Right, like right. That. I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I know. All right. Yeah, gotcha. Understood. Uh, all you have to do is say no hands, and you know it's all good, dude. Uh, and you were in there for what felt like four hours, by the way. It was four hours. <laughs> I've only ever been to the strip club one time, and I told that story on this podcast years ago. But I used to have a friend uh, after that in life that would go like every weekend. And he was single and he would, I remember one time saying, you go every weekend, you spend two, $300 and you come home even more frustrated than you were when you went. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. Like there's free porn on the internet. You can get this frustration over with in five minutes and not yeah. spend a dime. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny that that story comes up. It makes it sound like I'm one of those guys who goes like every fucking weekend. I probably have like 
five trips to a strip club in my entire life. And most of those were probably bachelor parties. Yeah. Uh, This this wasn't. This was just us going. Not not, uh, looking down on anybody who frequents strip clubs or anything. It's just. I mean, I I will. I'll go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy will, for sure. Yeah. Jeremy (laughs) Jeremy looks down his nose at everybody. No, I really don't. Yeah, you do you. However, you go. Why do my rants take these crazy turns? Like, I was talking about football and never talking about strip clubs. Yeah. Yeah, The last last one was about about Fred Durst. Something and ended up talking about Paris Hilton sex sex tape. Yeah. 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 Anyway. I just uh, I don't get it. Um, I like I said, it makes sense what the NBA is doing, uh, but it doesn't make sense what the NFL is doing, and it really does trip me out, man. When when I see people talking normally about things that things everything's just the same as last year, and I'm like huddled in my house for the sixth month in a row, like I'm supposed to be doing this right. <laughs> like, am, am I supposed to be going out and like? Lottie dying and going to strip clubs and shit like that. Like, I I don't, I don't understand. It's been a long time since I've Lottie died. Well, yeah. Especially on your way to a strip club. Right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, um, It makes me think of that movie, uh, IQ, where uh, Walter Matthau plays Albert Einstein and Meg Ryan and Tim Robbins. And (laughs) Albert Einstein rides on the back of the motorcycle and goes woohoo. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. Somebody says he went woohoo. When was the last time you went woohoo? <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what you made me think of just then. <clears throat> I remember that movie. IQ. That was peak Iced. Meg Ryan cuteness, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just it was. like it, it was the the peak of her like girl next door thing. Because what was that? Ninety three, ninety four, ninety four. I think. 94. Um, just absolutely adorable. Like even even in when Harry met Sally, like she was. You know, very eighties ish. You know what I mean, perm and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, but in the nineties, that's mm-hmm. the that's the real deal. By the way, mm-hmm. she she's she's never been hotter than what was the boxing movie where she's the promoter? Great. Uh, play it to no no. Play it, uh, it's not play it to the bone. It's um in the cut. Yeah, in the cut. <laughs> Correct. Uh, against the ropes, I believe. Right. Against the ropes. Against the ropes. <laughs> yeah. In against the, the ropes. <laughs> Have you guys? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the the entirety of In the Cut? Uh, yes. No. Yes, I, I mean, have. Yes. No. <laughs> I I've mean, never seen no, any I of saw it. it. I, yeah, I saw it. About? No, I, yeah, I saw it when it came out at Hollywood 27. I saw it. Oh, my God. That movie's brutal to watch. Yeah, it is. Like, Mark like, Ruffalo's okay. a dick. Well, yeah, I know. You're like, oh, Meg Ryan is naked in this movie, though. So I probably should just like, grind it out. <laughs> But it's just <laughs> grind it out. <laughs> Freezing. It's, it's not worth it. Trust me. <laughs> did you like it? You no. didn't like it, did you? No, it's terrible. It's a it's terrible awful, movie. Man. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't go in there for any kind of like, uh, you know, um, I don't know uh, what would you call it, uh, pleasure or, or anything. <laughs> no, it's not. And I don't. I don't mean that to demean anything about going in to see Meg Ryan nude. It's just that it's not that kind of nudity. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's that that movie is fucked up, you know, and Mark Ruffalo <laughs> is fucked up in real life as, as yeah, well as in the movie. That's right, in real life he is. <laughs> so anyway, football. Yeah, anyway, football. You're right. That's football correct. in the groin has a football in the groin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, on to our recommends and warns. Totes amaze balls. There, great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. I have an accidental theme this week. Oh, yeah? Oh. oh. I'm dancing. Well, Can you see me dancing? Do you, do you want, want me to go first? Start, 
it off. Okay, so my my accidental theme is sudden young Caitlin Deaver. Oh uh, yeah, the book smart. So the first movie I want to talk about uh, is a movie from 2014 called Laggies. Laggies. Yes, L A G G I E S. Okay. Ever heard of it? No. no? Thought so. Me neither. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this has Kira Knightley as the star. Um, and then uh, Caitlin Deaver shows up, uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, Sam Rockwell, um, Gretchen Maul. This is a pretty dope cast. And this is a record-worn. Um, both of mine are record-worn, but I'll do one at a time. Kira Knightley plays this girl who goes to her friend's wedding, <clears throat> and her own boyfriend proposes to her at the weekend wedding. And Kira Knightley is not ready to get married, and then she uh, sees her dad kissing somebody that's not her mom, Santa Claus? Her dad is, <laughs> no, her dad is Jeff Garland for uh, ah. Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she she goes weird and takes off. And she tells uh, her, her fiance she's got a, a 10-day conference or like a week-long conference for her job. Um, <clears throat> and she just goes aimless. And she runs into Chloe Grace Moritz, who's a lot younger than her. Um, but she goes and hangs out with Chloe and her friends and uh, ends up staying the night at Chloe's house through one of these hangouts. Dad is Sam Rockwell. Hmm. Uh, he's like, well, you know, you can stay, I guess. I don't know if I should trust you, but my daughter seems to like you. <clears throat> Caitlin Deaver is uh, Chloe Grace's best friend. She's only in like one or two scenes, and she's a lot younger. Um, <clears throat> but uh, basically, this goes exactly where you think it does. There's not a lot of surprises. Um, you know, um, she and Sam Rockwell have sex, and Chloe Grace isn't happy with it. Um, but I had a good time watching it. Um, the actors watching are the all sex? fine. No, they don't show you the sex, <laughs> uh, which is not why I was watching it. Uh, Keira Knightley's really, really good, as always. Uh, Sam Rockwell, again, always a great actor, but he's doing this thing in this movie where he's like so fucking charming. You wish he'd been your dad. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to explain that any better. Um, and you know, it, it was a predictable good time that, you know, I can't really full throated, you gotta see it, but I also can't say, well, you're going to hate it. Uh, but I'd never heard of it, had people in it that I knew, and that's why I watched it like I always do. Laggies. Looks like, it, looks like it has a pretty decent rating on the IMDb. The director's Lynn Shelton, who don't need mean to be a downer, but died this year. Oh, mm. no. Yeah. I knew uh, that she died. I didn't realize this was her movie. Uh, yeah, she died of leukemia. Um, Laggies. Is this like a, well, I guess it's an American movie, right? Um, yes. It although, sounds like something European. Laggies. Hey, laggies. Everyone's it is American in it. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I struggled for a few minutes to tell if Kira Knightley was doing an American accent or not. And I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> She's one that can't quite get there. She's tried it before. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's not there. <laughs> it's not there. It's like, Colin like at one Farrell. point, at one point, Chloe Grace calls her and says, can you come pick me up at school and pretend you're my mom? Uh, I want to ditch. And Kieran Knightley says, I don't look a thing like you. And I was like, you're British. You don't sound a thing like you. And I was like, is she doing an American accent? I <laughs> what, there you uh, go. That's my old, first record one. How old is Kieran Knightley? 35. 35. 30-something. And, and so Chloe Grace Moretz is probably, what, 23. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, Caitlin Deaver's a 24 herself. So like, it's, that's not much. So it's a, it's a bit of a was, stretch, but uh, this mm-hmm. was in 2014. So six years ago. 
Um, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Laggies. Watch Laggies. it for Sam Rockwell and Kieran Knightley's acting. Uh, I don't think you'll have a terrible time, but it's probably not going to become your favorite. No, there's a lot of people that I like in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Wait till my next Boy, one. Sam Rockwell talked about a career that's had all kinds of crazy appearances, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you go through his IMDb, he probably has over 100 credits, right? Uh, he's got a lot. Yeah, 109. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's just, he, he just shows he up There was something, yeah, there was something the other day that I popped in or watched part of. He was just showed up and I was like, God, how is it that I forgot that Sam Rock, Sam Rockwell's not like forgettable in most things, but this movie that I saw him in, I was like, totally forgot he was in it. Um, trying to find what it, what that was. Oh, oh, okay. It, the movie itself is the reason why I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> Oh, I need to watch it again because I watched it very exhausted. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Oh, I yeah. did not like this movie. I've watched it twice. I don't get it. Why do people mm. love that movie? Yeah, yeah I'm surprised I, you don't like it. I really like that movie. You know what? There's it's uh, there's slow, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's glacial. Yeah. <laughs> Glacial. There, there are a lot of like thousand yard stairs in that movie that, that last forever. Mm-hmm. Is that your uh, recommend, Chris? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> we were talking about Sam Rockwell. I said I saw him in something that I did not remember that he was in. Um, the uh, recommend. I got two recommends today. Um, uh, one of them is uh, one we're going to have a mini pod on soon, and I'm. I'm thinking it'll probably be out before this podcast but uh palm springs Uh, now you guys may know what the story is in this but i don't want to give that away in this i i did not know what the premise was of this but i am certain that you guys know i was told that you need to see Palm Springs. And because I am an expert at avoiding spoilers for things, I did not know what this was about. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I like Andy Samberg. I really like Kristen Milioti. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so started watching it. And man, if you don't know what the premise of this movie is, you will be all the more rewarded for it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, I and, uh, and, uh, uh, it's just one it's a movie that's it, it's going to be the shortest recommend ever because i can't tell you anything <laughs> about it other than other than let's see um annie sandberg and kristen Milioti are wonderful in this movie um and uh and uh i was talking about this in the mini pod uh i used to wa- wear out genesis's invisible touch album back in the day because my brother had a cassette tape and I used to pop that thing in and listen to it at night uh, to go to sleep and everything. So I know every song on that album pretty well. And out of nowhere, uh, their instrumental, the Brazilian uh, plays in the middle of, uh, of a scene. And, uh, and it was just like, it just made me happy. I was <laughs> like, I was like, I've never heard a movie. There's probably 50 movies that play this. And I just never know. I don't know how I would have not have noticed it, but um, I was like, holy shit, some, I feel a kinship with this movie that they played <laughs> the Brazilian during this one scene, but, um, I can't recommend it. Uh, I can't recommend it through like telling you what happens. I, I, I want you to go out there and watch the movie on faith 
because wow. you trust, because you trust you trust my word. That's the this. kind of thing a cult leader says, Chris. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, you sound like Billy Lee from Bad Times at El Royale. Oh God damn it! See, I don't want to. I don't want to be like Billy Lee. I want to look like Billy Lee, yeah, but I don't, don't want to act. Well, here's what you say. Whoever watches this movie gets to sleep with me in the big house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have ourselves an allegory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, most people are going to know, already know what this movie's about and or have seen it already. But uh, I think for those of you out there who don't know what it's about, you shouldn't know and just go watch it and enjoy it. Don't know. Yeah. You, you don't know or don't know? I'm, I'm commanding you to, oh, to yeah. don't know. Yeah. I know Jeremy I saw, I saw knows. Jeremy can't, Jeremy can't wander five seconds in his own existence without somebody spoiling it. He could turn off Twitter. He could turn off Twitter. He's off in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee right now. There's going to be some asshole come driving down the road going, you know, Bruce Willis is dead in six cents. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We've all seen the Watchmen HBO show, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You remember the very, very last moment? Mm-hmm. Spoiled for me after the first episode, after the after that episode aired. Uh, <laughs> really? Within 24 hours. What, wow. on Twitter? It's part of why, on Reddit this time, part of why I waited like six months to watch that shit was that mm. I wanted to kind of forget, which I did until that item showed up in the penultimate episode, and I went, oh, the thing! Now <laughs> I remember the last shot! But it was still very, very powerful for me. I liked it. Nice. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, I pretty much like everything that uh, Andy Samberg does. Yeah. Yeah, like all the Lonely Island stuff was hilarious to me. The, there's only one blight, I think, of all the one, movies that I've seen him in. And it is the one he did with Sandler. Um, the um, oh, That's My Boy, I believe it was called. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something where Sandler is his dad. Um, oh, that's, that's right. That's the one blight on his, his resume that I've seen, but... Uh, I love Hot Rod. Um, yeah, yep. Uh, it's funny, man. I, I was talking about this on that mini pod. Um, I remember I had not seen Hot Rod, and there was this guy at work who loved it, who was getting mocked for his love of Hot Rod because oh. everybody's like, "Oh, what a stupid movie!" Blah 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 blah. Finally, I got around to seeing it, and I was like, "Yeah." Totally. This is great. <laughs> yeah. If you can't get in with the silliness of this movie, then, you know, you don't deserve to watch movies. It's it's such um, an underrated, like underseen, <laughs> underrated movie, right? Yeah. Watch movies. <laughs> I, was, I was saying that out there to people who might, who might watch it and just be like, fuck this. This is terrible. Um, no, I'm I banned think, from watching movies. I just think if you like silly comedies or if you just like, I mean, this is better than your average silly comedy. Oh, of course. But, but Hot Rod's great. Um, uh, what else? Uh, he was in. Pop Star uh, is great. Yeah, Pop Star is great. And I know that Jeremy doesn't like Pop Star. But uh, what was the. He It was. Um, I Love You, Man. He was yeah, in he's that. In I Love oh. You, Man, too. He's fantastic. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, uh, you know, J.K. Simmons is in Palm Springs oh. as well. So that's sort of a reteam from that movie. Huh. Um, uh, but, uh, it is delightful. Uh, Palm right. Springs is, is delightful. Um, I think, I think that you two would very much love the movie. Cool. All right. It's on All Hulu. Right. Hulu. Okay. Hulu. Figure that out. Uh, I made the crack about laggies being, being British, uh-huh. but, but it's not, but I got a movie that's British as fuck that I'm wholeheartedly right. recommending. Now, Chris and Jer- uh, Chris and Jonathan, did a mini pod on this in the before times, I think 
you yes. were even in the studio. January, yeah. Yeah, this is a, a movie called The Gentleman uh, that mm. I somehow missed uh, up until now. Uh, but we were kind of going through, it was a date night movie night for my wife and I. And uh, we were like, hey, let's watch The Gentleman. Like, I heard okay things about it, but I didn't hear anybody saying like, wow, this is spectacular. Uh, this is Guy Ritchie kind of going back to his Guy Ritchie-ness, uh, very much so. Um, and I absolutely loved the hell out of this movie. Uh, it's charming. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. McConaughey, uh, one of one of his best performances, I got to say. Yeah, so like fun in this. He's so great. Uh, he's he's not self-serious. He throws in like these uh, these little British bon mots. Uh, because he's been raised in in England, basically, mm-hmm. even though he's an American. Uh, Colin Farrell is spectacular mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, as much, Jeremy, as you love Hugh Grant and Paddington too, he's even yeah. better in this movie. He's mm-hmm. fucking amazing that. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. That. He's fun as shit. In the, in I mean, the- and even Charlie Hunnam is is really good in this movie. Like the whole thing breaks down... It just beautifully. It's it's a tiny bit smarter, a tiny bit less smart than it thinks it is, especially at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wraps up nicely, just like a lot of vintage Guy Ritchie movies. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people called things like Big Dave and the coach yeah. and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. And fuck. 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 Yeah. But it's it's really, really fantastic. Uh, Henry Golding, uh, is, uh, is really good in this plays a very different character, uh, than he was in crazy rich Asians, right? Yeah. 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 And, he's, uh, Khaleesi diseasing. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's very much stretching, uh, to play a thug in this. Michelle Dockery is really good. I, haven't oh, really seen I, I love Michelle Dockery in this movie and um, their relationship. She's married to, uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey and mm-hmm. their relationship is one of the best parts of this movie. Dude, Chris, I didn't listen to Minipod to avoid spoilers. Did you like this movie? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's all, it's classic guy, Richie. Um, yeah. most of the time, most of the time when a director tries to go back to material that made them popular and everything, they make it an, an imitation yeah. of it. Yeah. This is just feels like he, he stepped right off of from lock stock and snatch. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, he, uh, he, he went right back into it. And I think his next movie is supposed to be something like that too. That's his bread and butter. Yeah. I mean, I know that, I know that Lockstock was sort of uh, derided by, I guess, some people as a Pulp Fiction knockoff at the time mm. and everything, because that th- there was this, from what I remember, there was this, I mean, everybody had this kind of a wave when Pulp Fiction came out uh, of wanting to make their own Pulp Fiction. And I think it was especially prevalent in the UK for some reason. Um and uh, and yeah, Guy Ritchie was just on what four years later makes Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, and um, but yeah, this is very much like that where there are incidents that happen where you're not sure why that happened, and then as they as they tell the stories of everybody through the story and everything, finally all the pieces start to come together and everything, mm-hmm. and it's great, and it's so. it's told in con- concurrent manners by showing the action. And then Hugh Grant essentially narrating the entire thing because he's a, a PI and he's 
giving his report to another character. Mm-hmm. And he is so flamboyant and outlandish mm-hmm. and just absolutely gobbling up all the lines of dialogue. And I, I said it before, like I, I'm excited for this phase of Hugh Grant's career of him being villainous and, uh, and cursy <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, like not, not America's sweetheart or England's sweetheart or whatever it is, uh, being like an actual actor in the, these last two Paddington two and, uh, and, uh, the gentleman have really shown off what he can do. It's awesome. Do you ever get around yeah. to seeing uh, Lockstock? No, it's, it's queued up though. I've got mm-hmm. it. Uh, I've got You're it. You're going to love it. Hey, you know what movie is, uh, thinks it's a lot smarter than it is? What? Mm. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all seen this movie? Yeah, I have not. I have. Chris has. We, we uh, Jonathan and I mini potted this um, in, when was it came out? It came out in November, October, somewhere. Yeah, that there. was in the before times too. <laughs> yeah. It feels yeah. like this movie thinks it has surprises near the end and it, it doesn't. It mm-hmm. didn't for me. Yeah. It was, and then it's going for that sort of hard-boiled... Did you love it, by the way? Am I right? No, no. Um, now, I think both Jonathan and I gave it a B or something in okay. the, the, the review. And, and that it, you know, it may be something that we have to watch again at some point. But mm. there, you know, I just just my my quick little thing. There's There are moments... You were talking about glacial, glacial a minute ago. There are <laughs> moments in this, man, where you're just like, yeah, I like listening to music. I do. I really do. <laughs> I love listening to music. But I came here to watch a movie today, and you're giving me an entire concert. It's like kind of what they did uh, when uh, when uh, uh, can't call his name right now, but when they did Treme and everything. I love Treme, but there are parts in Treme where you're just like, okay, yes. Jazz is wonderful. I get it. I get it. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's part of the culture. But goddamn, do I have to hear a whole song of this before we get to the other stories? Uh, okay. Anyway, that's not even my uh, next recommend. Or warn. Oh, okay. Happened to see that movie, and when Barrett said this movie thinks it's smarter than it well, is, it reminded me of well, that. Okay, I thought you were going to talk about this movie, but there was a point. There was a point in Motherless Brooklyn where they are hiding a character's face from you for a long time. And it's like, and it's Alec Baldwin and they and Alec Baldwin is like the sort of the de facto leader of this government or whatever, because he's basically the bad guy or whatever. Everybody fucking knows Alec Baldwin is in this movie. Okay. There's no surprise that <laughs> yes, Baldwin is in the trip. movie. We saw him in the trailers and everything. And he's, he's not really a big surprise character. It's like the first 10 minutes of the movie they're introducing him. And, and so the camera's following him around and it's like at the back of his head and it's his feet and it's all this shit. And you're like, who is this? Is it somebody is like a big surprise actor. They didn't know that we, that they were, that we didn't know was going to be in the movie. It's going to be De Niro. It's going to be like somebody like that is going to be like, you know, fucking Brando come from the grave or something. That'd be amazing. And then, That'd be amazing. And then it gets up to the thing and, and there, and, and it follows him around and he talks to somebody at a podium and you're like, Jesus, they're still not showing who this guy is. This guy must be like somebody very secret and surprising. And then they show him and it's like, Oh, uh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin. He's going to be in twenty more scenes. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. like the uh what they did in the hunt. Remember they oh yeah. They pan around 
And it takes forever to show this actress's face, and that it's Hillary fucking Swank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's so like, you already know Hillary Swank. Like I thought this was going to be Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, had a, they had a preview. The, all the previews before you saw anything with the hunt had Hillary Swank in that interview with those people. So like to to, to and I know that the makers of the movie they don't have any any control over what the, the trailer shows and everything. Although I would imagine Motherless Brooklyn Edward Norton did that. Edward Norton yeah, probably imagine. had control over what the trailer showed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, what were you going to recommend? Or <laughs> we Lawrence? talked about like two different I was, movies. Well, the, my final thought was going to be everything Motherless Brooklyn tries to do in terms of like a detective noir kind of thing. That Perry Mason show on HBO does ten times better. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> Have you come which, around to liking that show? I always thought the show was great. I didn't think it needed to be called Perry Mason mm. because he's a private detective. By the end of the season, he's also a lawyer, and it's like an origin story. Mm. Uh, but it, whatever it's called, it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. Um and I would be ashamed if I made a detective noir film anytime in the last 10 years because <laughs> this one puts it. Okay. Wreck a warning. I'll go quick because I've wasted mm. a lot of time. Mm. A movie you probably have seen because it was a bit more mainstream than laggies. The spectacular now. Oh yes. I've seen, seen this movie. I've, I've seen, this. seen it. This is miles Teller falling in love with no pipeline girl, uh, from the sick movie. And she kissed an <laughs> Anne Frank's house. <laughs> I got the page up right here. It's Shailene Woodley. Yeah, I was about to say, is it Shailene Woodley? Because she's in all the sick movies. (laughs) Okay, so... So, um, in the beginning, Miles Teller has everything. Yeah, I'm in high school. Everybody thinks I'm funny, and I'm dating Brie Larson. This is one of these movies that, if you saw it when it came out in 2013, you did not realize how many awesome people were in this movie because Brie Larson is in it, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh is in it, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it, Bob Odenkirk is in it, uh, Caitlin Deaver, surprise, Caitlin Deaver is in Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Um, But basically, Miles Teller gets uh, dumped by Brie Larson um, and uh, goes on a bender. He's already kind of an alcoholic. and I want to go ahead and say this is probably, I know this is based on a book. The book's probably a memoir. That's fine. This movie shows him drinking from a flask hmm. in scenes he's not even in, but every scene he's in, he is drinking from a flask or pouring from a flask. It's like evidence of alcoholism. Uh, they doubled, tripled down on it. The mm. set decorator and the script writer had an argument with the director about how much alcohol was enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> meets Shailene Woodley. She no. Everybody thinks she's weird. She's weird. It's like uh, she's all that. Like, why are you dating her now? His friends are like, are you dating that girl? She's gorgeous. Why the fuck would they act like this about this mm-hmm, girl? Yeah. She she's likes bees or whatever. The fuck? She's got yeah, weird hobbies. Likes bees, man. Yeah. I don't even think she likes bees. Um, and uh, you know, life and stuff and things. And uh, this movie uh, engaged me from beginning to end. It did not surprise me at any of the turns it took. Um. But I enjoyed it enough that I would wreck a warn it. I don't think you're going to love it. I don't think you're going to hate it. But if I spend two hours watching a movie I haven't seen, you bet your ass I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be a lukewarm reaction. I um I have not seen this. This is there's a movie that I there's a it's one of those things where you confuse a title that has really nothing to do 
um, with the with the same. It's not you know it has nothing to do with the titles or anything. But the way way back is the one that I always oh, uh, confuse yeah. confuse spectacular now with. And when you said you had a theme, I assumed it was Caitlyn Deaver, but like you said, Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell ah. is in the way way back. Yes, and he, is. he plays a character in that that's very like uh, awesome and you know, and you've seen the way way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really I, nice I, to I that, love uh, that movie. Yeah, no, I like that. I only saw it once, but I'm pretty sure I watched it because you recommended it on the podcast. Mm, okay. So, um, but anyway, spectacular now. Lots of famous people, good acting, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. drunk teens falling in and out of love. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, hey, as you, can't you do, go, you can't go wrong. That's and true. no pipeline girl who's in all the sick no. <laughs> who's in all the sick movies as she kissed in Anne Frank's house I said I'll yeah. give you three oh, yeah. clues <laughs> yes alright everybody it is time to talk about movie once again movie um, it's funny man we had we had an interview with a guy who directed a movie called Spree uh, Eugene Kotliarenko and uh, at the end of that interview, he was like, you should watch this Tehran taxi movie uh, by uh, Jafar Panahi. And um, and I was like, OK, cool. And then Barrett, like five minutes after we get off the uh, the interview, he's like, that shit's on movie today. Yeah. <laughs> you get an email every time they add a new movie. And I was like, holy shit. Like, it's the most out of nowhere Iranian like uh, like cab movie where like a cinema verite and everything. And I I'd never heard of it. All of a sudden it pops up on the, the email. Yeah, it was the craziest like synergy ever when he just randomly <laughs> mentions this movie. So, so yeah, I watched uh, I watched Tehran Taxi. Did you watch this? Barry? I have not watched it yet. Um, Jafar Panahi is not allowed to make films. He is banned from making films. Uh, he has made three since he was banned. Um, this was because uh, he's too. Like uh, I don't know. I haven't seen all of his movies, or I've I've, I've only seen this one movie. Mm. Um, so actually, a couple of the movies that I've seen on his IMDb, I've heard the names of. So I should watch these at some point. Mm. But um, I don't remember. I didn't read the exact details of why he got banned. But it was back in 2010. He his 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 wife, his daughter, and like 15 other people associated with him all got thrown in jail. And I think one of those things, I think, I think the reason why he was thrown, thrown in, well, thrown in jail and banned was because of some very arcane cinematic rules in Iran. Hmm. Um, And I believe those rules might even be uh, said in this movie itself, because there's a point where he picks up his niece and his niece says, our, our film class teacher says, we need to make a movie where this happens, this happens, this, like impossible rules basically. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and all that. And I was like, Oh, it's, it's either, it's either the actual rules in Iran or it's like a parody of those rules in Iran. Mm. So like, it's, it's, it's probably stuff we wouldn't even consider bad here at all, but uh, it's, it's mainly about, I think mainly about just, uh, showing Iran in, in a certain light that they want, they, they don't want you to show them in a certain light or whatever. Mm. So he's been, he's gotten in trouble for that. But this movie, he started off picking up real passengers. Um, and then when one of the passengers said, I don't want to get filmed, 
he ended up making a docudrama out of it and putting in actors who uh, are uncredited in the film. Hmm. Um, and there's all these just like outrageous scenarios that keep coming up. Um, uh, like there's a point where a bunch of people pound on the taxi and tell him to stop. And they put this person who's like badly injured in the back seat of his car. He huh. has to take him to the hospital and he, he reads his last will and Testament to the, to the cameras and everything as he's going to the hospital. Wow. And the wife is like, did you get that recording? I need that recording, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, Oh, I'll get it to you later on, blah, blah, blah. But he keeps picking up people and they all have these stories that they're telling and everything. And it gives you this, it gives you this real, like you, you don't, you see in America, we see Iran on the news mainly, and it's always something awful or something just like, you know, and, and we hardly ever see like the, the human beings behind a lot of this stuff. And that's what's sort of re- that's that's what's really good about this movie, um, uh, especially when he picks up his niece, who I believe is his actual niece. Um, he picks up his niece, and and once his niece starts going off about film and everything like that, movie is just the movie is delightful. He is delightful. He is in his he's you know playing himself in the movie, uh, and like every time somebody does something like just kind of outrageous or crazy, he's just got this. Like I non judgy smile on his face all the way through it and everything, hmm. just kind of like he was like, oh yeah, you know, people are crazy, you know, and not not worrying about it. So is he he's playing a director, like he's playing himself. He's playing the himself. He's playing himself. Everybody okay. recognizes him. Hey, I know you. Oh, you're really? Jafar. To, yeah, um, you made this film. This is gonna have this is something like this is gonna happen, like in your film, this or whatever. And uh, people oh, wow. know who he is. Um, but like I said, the actors in this are uncredited so that they won't get in trouble and everything like that. Mm. So that movie's on movie right now. And it's uh pretty fantastic. I would highly recommend it. Wow. Uh, just yeah. Watch that one. I might have to check that out. The cool thing about me, I'm telling you, man, just like this scenario where a movie pops up out of nowhere that was just recommended to you. Uh, they keep refreshing this, this 30 day supply uh, of of cinema that you normally wouldn't be exposed to, or, or that I wouldn't normally be exposed to, from all over the world. Uh, one that I watched uh, uh, just this morning actually was a, a French film called Wonders in the Suburbs, and mm-hmm. this thing is wacky. It's mm-hmm. it's a comedy, but like but like it's absurd. It like mm-hmm. it's literally absurdist comedy. Uh, and so I can't tell you that I actually get this movie, <laughs> but I liked it. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. It's it's funny. It's uh, over dramatic. It's sexy at times, and it's just it it's just a delight to watch. It stars uh, some some people that you would know. Uh, uh, Matthew Almarek or Mal- Al- yeah 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 Almarek. yeah yeah um, ton of stuff. That dude's in a ton of yeah, stuff. yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. And then I kept seeing the 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 female lead looks super super familiar. She's very attractive. Uh, a little bit older, you can tell like she's in oh, her late fifties. Yeah. Uh, but it's Emmanuel Bayard, yeah, who who was the the most attractive woman on the planet uh, when she was in Mission Impossible. Oh the first my one. god, talk about super crushes! <laughs> and super crushes, yeah, yeah, man, that's yeah. how they say it. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> this, is a, this is a delightful movie. Uh, it, it will stretch your brain a little bit, uh, but it's it's just super fun. Uh, wanders in the suburbs. It's called something 
completely different in French, but uh, it's actually it's funny. It's 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 a Parisian movie. It's a set in Paris, but a suburb of Paris, which you never see. You see suburbs all the time in American movies, but you never see a suburb of Paris. You just see Paris itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very very good. It's on Mubi, M U B I, and if you go to Mubi dot com slash CinemaSins. I'm yelling. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get 30 days free. Free. Yeah. 30 days free that you mm-hmm. can experience. I'll tell you what. So not only do they have the, the 30 movies on the, the, the front page, but they've also got a library uh, with titles that have been shown before or even new titles. Uh, and it's extensive. I was scrolling through that thing uh, the other day and I was like, wow, I want to watch that. Wow, I want to watch that. Uh, it's helpfully divided up into uh, subcategories, but man, 30 days free, go to movie.com slash cinema That's three O and, and stuff. I, uh, I mentioned uh, last week when we were doing our castings that, uh, you know, army hammer was in, was in, uh, I put him in a character role for almost famous recasting and everything. Uh, and I mentioned that I had watched, I was sort of watched, sorry to bother you on this, uh, uh, repeat on repeat, basically. This is one of these online poker things where you're, you got a movie in and just like what? And you, and sometimes you'll watch something like, wow, that was really good. I'll just play it from the start again right after this. Yeah. And so like all night it was like that. It was like the movie would end. I'd just restart it. Sometimes I would play it with the director's commentary on it and all that. Um, I believe in this very segment. Uh, when this came out a couple of years ago, I probably wreck a warned this and now I'm fully recommending it. Hmm. Um, there's something to this movie at, when you first watch it, the, 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 the tone of it is hard to, to get a, you know, it's hard to get a grasp on. There's a lot of just, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff that's just insane that comes out of nowhere. It feels like it's, it feels like it's real. And then it just kind of like, oh, out of nowhere, something will just be crazy. Like it's in the naked gun or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, and so, cause there's a point when, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is in this movie. He, he's, he's trying to be a telemarketer and, and he's trying to, uh, He's trying to sell this, these just, you know, shitty goods to people and everything. Cold call. Well, not cold calling. I'm just taking off a list, calling these people and asking them and stuff. And there's a scene where he first gets this job where in the background, you can see there's this just crazy copier thing going on in the background for no reason. It has nothing to do with anything. You just see paper flying everywhere and lights <laughs> flashing and everything while this, while Lakeith Stanfield's on the phone with these people. And every time Lakeith Stanville gets on the phone with somebody, he is immediately like in his head transported to wherever, whoever he's talking to. So like if he calls somebody and a couple's having sex, couple's having sex right in front of him as he's trying to, as he's trying to talk to them and everything. Um, the, so at first he's having trouble figuring out what to do until Danny Glover says, you need to use your white voice. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so Danny Glover is like, no, you gotta do, you gotta do this thing where you're like, hello, Mr. Anderson, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, Lakeith Stanfield takes on the voice that David Cross ends up doing the voice for him mm. in this movie. And, huh. uh, and, uh, and so, uh, he, when he starts calling with the quote unquote white voice, 
he starts connecting to people and starts making a lot of sales and everything. And mm-hmm. he becomes very successful. The problem is, is that everybody he works with wants to strike because they aren't making any money. They're, they're getting a whole, like it's, everything's based on commission. So like every day, like they're, they're coming in, they're toiling and calling and not getting any, uh, any money out of it. And, and Keith Stanfield was probably right, right there with him was going to strike, but then this happens and he's at a crossroads where basically it's like, okay, I'm going to start striking, but he, and he even joins them the first day that they like put their phones down and everything. Um, but he gets promoted on that very day and where he gets promoted to is the, uh, is the, you know, the special collar or whatever it is. And that's where they sell the real shit that makes a lot of money. And, uh, I will, I will leave it at that. Uh, so that if you, if you're ever wanting to watch this movie, uh, this movie has a lot to say about society and race and, uh, uh, just the sort of the state of the world. And it's very satirical and, and, uh, darkly funny. And, uh, and once it gets into its absolute insane mode, that movie is just, it's both enjoyable and eye-opening and like scary all at the same time. Hmm. Um, and uh, Army Hammer is is part of this. He's really funny in this movie. Lakeith Stanfield is always, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Lakeith Stanfield performance. Yeah. Um, just as a taste and there's as a, as a, as you know, tone for this movie, there's a point where, you know, Lakeith Stanfield has been promoted and all of his buddies who were still toiling down in the telemarketing strike and everything are about to do some major things where they're actually picketing and they're trying to make, and they're trying to prevent people from crossing the line and everything. And, uh, and Lakeith Stanfield's like, look, 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 I'm still for you. The thing that I'm doing has nothing to do with this. I'm in a completely different, uh, level. And, uh, and, and all the strikers, including his best friend are in this striking thing. And they're like, and they're like, oh, they said, are you going to have a problem? And he goes, no, man, I hope you have a good day. And they get close to each other, these friends. I hope you have a good day. Yeah, well, I hope you have a great week. And then and they, they just start going back. And forth. It's like, wow, you smell pretty good. What is that? It's like, oh, I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this awesome cologne or whatever. It's like, well, I, well, that you you smell great. Yeah, we're a bunch of we we smell we smell pretty great for these two, you know, blah blah blah. And then like, and it's like, he's like well, I think we should go out and get drinks. And like, yeah, yeah, we should get one, two, no, three. No four, no five, no six. Uh, it's like, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's like, it's on me. No, no, it's on me. I'll <laughs> buy the drinks. You know, it's, like, it's that kind of tone that is in this movie where it's huh. like, where there's just, it's just off kilter and everything. Listening to Boots Riley on the, on the uh, commentary is enlightening too. Um, just, just listening to him. Cause he, he said that he put this script through a workshop hmm. and like, and, and he's, and he said that, I think he put it into a festival or something and nobody, everybody has ideas about how to make a script better and everything. He said, nobody knew what to do. With this script, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unique. And what I found out through that process is nobody knows shit and they should just leave and just shut the fuck up. And, and, and so he made the movie he wanted to make. Nice. And, uh, and it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's just one of these movies. Like you have to, you have to get into, that tone to really get into it. You may watch this and go, man, this is fucking stupid. 
I can see people watching this going, this is stupid, <laughs> but it's not, it really isn't not to me anyway. So I highly recommend, sorry to bother you. It so, seems like it's right up my alley and it's, it's been on the top of the list to, to watch. Uh, so. I'll, uh, I'll uh, try to distribute that to you. All right. Totally. I love me some <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield, man. I love me some distribution. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got a good recommend here. Uh, it's it's an incomplete recommend because there's only been one episode released, but it's Lovecraft Country. I've heard uh, of this. It, uh, it just debuted on HBO uh, when this was recorded last week or this week. Oh, I've, seen, I've seen the preview. So, yeah, it looked really good. Yes. Okay. So first off, uh, so this is the setting is a uh, a man and his uncle and his friend uh, go on a road trip, essentially in 1950s Jim Crow uh, America, and they're both they're all black, uh, so they encounter the racism uh, associated with that. Um, his uncle, played by Courtney B. Vance, is is literally one of the uh, the the real Green Book authors like he's he's got spots that uh that african americans can stop at safely throughout their journey across america and so he's going up to the northeast to do some research and uh the 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 main character played by jonathan majors uh has received a note from his father uh saying that uh, you need to come up to lovecraft country uh in the northeast to to find him he's basically gone missing and so that's an intriguing premise, right? Like that—that that alone is a, a intriguing pre- uh, premise, and uh, it it only gets better because Journey Smollett is uh, playing the friend, and mm-hmm. she is she's a looker. Yeah, all that is is juiced up by monsters. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> There's like yeah. alien, gross monsters and stuff like that, and the effects are spectacular. <clears throat> The opening, uh, the cold open, uh, which is a representation of of what the the guy is is reading, uh, a Lovecraft or a Pulp Fiction novel, is uh, is is fantastic. These two, the uncle and the the uh, nephew, are experts on H.P. Lovecraft, who apparently was famously racist. Hmm. Uh, I didn't know I about that, that uh, until after I was reading a little bit about it. Um, and uh, so yeah, they're they're like obsessed with their uh, with his work. And it's weird that some of his creations uh, may be coming to life on this uh, on this journey. So I don't know where this thing is going to go, but it's got it's very much kind of Watchmeny, where it's about something, but it's but it's about something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's J.J. Abrams and uh, Jordan Peele executive produced. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, uh, that and the concept alone has me hooked. But also Watchmen. I can see that because that was Lindelof and Lindelof and JJ Abrams might as well be the same person. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but I respect and like both of their work. Uh, but yeah, JJ and Jordan Peele and the concept. And I'm already sorry. I missed the first episode, but I may go ahead and wait. I may go ahead and wait yeah. and just binge them all like I did with Watchmen. Cause I don't, I'm one of these people now that doesn't like waiting a week for the next episode of something I'm into. Mm-hmm. Binging has kind of ruined me for weekly episodic television. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah it, binging definitely ruins it because, you know, that waiting week by week thing is uh, feels like a relic of the past. I know. Uh, <laughs> I did that with yeah. Silicon Valley or Silicon Valley, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then on that last season, I had to wait. I was like, fuck that, man. Yeah. My binging yeah. Go. This is uh, 
I'm not usually like a big fan of like the the creature features or anything like that. So I wasn't mm-hmm. really expecting to like this, uh, but I threw it on and I was surprised. the The performances are fantastic, um, and uh, and the writing is fantastic, and the the mood is just really cool. Like the 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 race stuff is what interests me more than like you know creatures or effects or stuff like that. And they play it off really, 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 really well. Yeah, the the monsters and stuff are probably more symbolic than anything. Uh, if I know the uh, the creators behind this, uh, it may know, this it may show. end up being that way. Um, but, I mean, uh, they're they're real, but they're not they're not the thing right, about right, the right. show. The oh, by the way, going to be racism, for right? Sure. <laughs> by the way, yeah. I don't think he shows up in the first episode, but. Uh, the uh, the father of the main character is played by Michael K. Williams. Oh yeah, yeah. So this cast is good. Bone of oh, coming. Okay, Michael K. <laughs> do we have some some time for some questions? Yeah, we do. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. I saw that Birds of Prey is coming to HBO this month, and I wanted to show it some love. This is less of a question and more of like a general discussion topic. I feel like it hasn't gotten the attention it deserves. I haven't cared for most of the DCU movies so far, but I saw Birds of Prey twice in the theaters, back when you could go to theaters, and at least Mm -hmm. a half a dozen times now on DVD. Can't put my finger on it, but I think there's something really special about it. Have all three of you guys seen this movie? All three. (laughs) Both of you guys? I don't think Jeremy has. I have seen it a couple of times. Um, it's on HBO. I need to, and I will any day now, but I have not seen it yet. Here, here's the thing. I don't know if there's something about it that is, that makes it stand out or anything. Mm. Like it's not, it's not one of those movies that I'm going to feel like I need to go back to mm. or anything. Um, uh, Margot Robbie is so fantastic and lovable in that movie yes she is um i i i really really dig her and you know this the whole cast is great we we mentioned journey journey smollett um and uh there's uh, mary elizabeth winstead is in mm-hmm. this and, uh, and uh rosie uh, uh rosie perez yeah rosie perez um it's it you know it's it's got a great cast to it uh, but I haven't gotten to that point where I'm just like, yeah, I really want to see this over and over and over again. I can understand, especially when you compare it to other DCEU movies. Um, it's certainly up there. It's kind of like how Wonder Woman, right? Wonder Woman, <laughs> Wonder Woman is great compared to all the other DCEU movies that have come out. <laughs> and we mainly give it a pass because, you know, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot are really fantastic in, in there. And there is that, you know, that great action scene that's in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, but then you, th- then you start thinking about all the other stuff that's in wonder woman. And you're like, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I impulse buy the, bought this movie at first. And, um, <laughs> Um, and, and birds of prey, I think it's, I think it's certainly different from most DCEU movies that you're going to see. And it's, it's certainly more pleasant than most DCEU movies that you're going to see. Um, so yeah, I can see that part, but I am not right now as of now at that. Ooh, there's something about this. I, I very much agree with the listener. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've, I've gone back to this movie several times and there's, it's a combination of the meta humor uh, mm-hmm. and uh, almost Deadpoolian uh, uh, meta humor. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, Margot Robbie is just fantastic. 
I think uh, Ewan McGregor is fantastic. See, and I, that's where we highly differ. Is that I don't. Right? Yeah, I don't like him in this movie at all. Oh, and I wow. love Ewan McGregor. Um, I think it's just a little bit too much. Well, I could see that. I could see that. It is a lot. He yeah. definitely pours it on, but I dig it. I just thought it was a it was a perfect uh, over the top villain role. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that it's rated R, so they can they can go a little bit edgier with the the stuff. Uh, it's weird. It's interesting actually that they go a little over the edge with some of the violence, uh, but yet. When uh, Harley Quinn pulls off this this raid of a, a cop's office, essentially they replaced the uh, the blood and the gunshots with like exploding confetti and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which you know, I appreciate is just like an artistic uh, choice. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, I just I absolutely dig this. I love the climax. I love the uh, craziness that ensues at the end. I love the way uh, talk about. A, a very different take on villain and hero squaring off at the end. This mm-hmm. is an extremely different take on that. And uh, it's fantastic, I think. And mm. uh, yeah. And I love mm. that it was directed by a woman and that it's all women basically taking care of all this stuff. Uh, I, I agree that uh, I don't think it got the attention that it deserved, first of all, because it came out right around the uh, COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it had that weird name change it's yep. it's called Birds of Prey, but they retitled it after it was released to Harley Quinn. Well, they Prey. didn't they didn't actually rename it. What they did was they made it they renamed it in search for Google and uh, and Fandango and everything, so that if you typed in Harley Quinn, it would come up faster oh they didn't officially so, retitle the, the title is still that title birds of prey and the emancipation of you know yeah uh, fantabulous into, yeah into the world as we know it uh you know whatever um and and how i stopped to worrying and love the bomb <laughs> um so they 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 left that but they they uh that was that was one thing because i thought they changed it too when it came time to watch the movie so I was like looking for that new name change and I couldn't find it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it, they, if they were still calling it birds of prey and blah, 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 but you had, to, yeah, they changed it for search purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, this is, it's got all the visuals that you would want, like the total opposite of justice league. It's got, mm-hmm. or even suicide squad for that matter. Like, mm-hmm. you know how suicide squad had those rando like stats pop up and it was completely yeah. tonally different from the rest of the movie. Like mm-hmm. this has flair like that, but it makes sense in the context of this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And her character fits in a lot better in this movie than in suicide squad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is, is, is it my fading memory or, are people asking for an air cut of Suicide Squad? Oh God! Have you heard this? Air is asking for an air cut of Suicide Squad. Is he really? Justice See, now- League fans have joined the bandwagon, and he has claimed that 
He didn't get to make the version of the movie he wanted. I can almost guarantee you Warner Brothers held on to that Justice League for as long as they did because of this shit right here. <laughs> yeah. Now everybody, now everybody's going to want their director's cut. They're like, my movie didn't get the fair shake when it came yep. out because it wasn't the movie that I wanted. And and now everybody's going to want to do that shit. And I want it on the record. I really enjoy David Ayer's early work. I didn't like Suicide Squad. I didn't like Bright. But most everything that came before that, mm-hmm. including yeah. this weird little movie called Harsh Times with Christian Bale yeah, and yeah. Freddie Rodriguez. Oh, he did um, that too? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he did and, uh, End of Watch too. Right? End of Watch is the yeah, best awesome, one. Yeah. But he also has one with Keanu and Forrest Whitaker. I can't ever remember the name of it. Uh, something Street, Street Kings. Kings. Yeah. Street Street Kings. Kings. Oh yeah. They all look the um, same. Like they, if you see the cover of the DVD, they all look the same. But he's yeah, got a do. very strong knack for that. This is why I was excited about Bright and Suicide Squad. Cause he's got a very strong knack for that, you know, cop criminal on the street kind of crime drama. And if, you know, uh, I how many directors do you think have ever gotten to make the movie they wanted to make when they made it for a big studio? Yeah. I mean, if you're oh, yeah. not in the top twenty-five, then you don't have final cut, right? Right. So, well, and that was you do the, this forever. That, that was the thing, like you know, that's the the argument that we've had since Lucas came out with those special editions, right? Where, uh, you know, the the movies that that came out were perfectly good. They weren't. They, you know, we we didn't need anything extra. Even though you might have thought that you needed to do some like little airbrush here and there on on this thing and like add creatures and stuff. Uh, in the end, none of that stuff added anything to to the movie. You know, nothing. It may add some population or some like side thing to, but it doesn't make the movie better. That's I think that's what you should be upset about if you're if you've made your movie and like apparently man I I am deaf I'm gonna be all over this fucking Justice League when it comes out man I'm gonna I, because there is there is I I want to see I want to see if this movie's <laughs> so different from what I've seen uh, that it's going to be amazing you. yeah I'm actually looking forward to watching it which is yes. bizarre I hate the movie. I hate yeah. the, the actual movie that came out. I just think from a clinical standpoint, it'll be fascinating yeah. just to see what's different. Um, and I'd like to go on record as having said on this podcast months before when Ben Affleck tweeted, release the Snyder Cut, I said, well, if the studio's planning to release the Snyder Cut and they're feeling out, drumming up support. And I was right, even though I probably wasn't right because it's HBO Max. Dude, not <laughs> I will say, I will say, and I, and I've been on this, on this uh, podcast talking about it. Kingdom of heaven, uh director's cut mm-hmm. is better than the theatrical cut that I saw. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I just, I, there's not the air cut is got to be better than what we got <laughs> in suicide squad. So while I'm against the demand, the entitled demand for this, I wouldn't not watch it. <laughs> that's know? the thing, right? It's the entitled demand. That's yeah. the thing, right? Yep. Like it, that, that's the problem. Or all these people who believe that, that 
what is that? Is that, is that some, there's some sort of like, I'm smarter than you and I know that this is going to be great. <laughs> Even though they I, have no knowledge of this whatsoever. And every single one of those Snyder cut people are in the tank already. I mean, yeah. that movie's, that movie is not, not, not one of them is going to come out and go, well, that was actually not. Right. Campaigning for this. And it's that's right. Like, yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you, how do you take this objectively? And I think the same thing can go for me as well. Because I'm ready to be against it immediately, but <laughs> sure. But like, I just, I, yeah, I, that's the thing. It's the it's the internet bros that made mm. this possible. That that sort of like leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Why couldn't they have just? Why couldn't a Zack Snyder just have just been behind the scenes? Maybe it no, maybe it never gets made if he doesn't raise a stink about it. Yeah. But but it seems like you could have waited a, a little bit and said, hey, no. You could make a lot of money and just come out with it and say it was your idea. It'd be fine. You know? Instead, we have this fan demanded, like, snakes on a plane bullshit where it's like, you know, they've, you know, added things or they've, they like, you know, it's going to be something that to appease the masses and everything. Well, yeah, I'm actually not expecting something appreciably different. It's like watching the Batman V Superman and then watching the ultimate edition. And it's like, it's like six extra minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a little more than that, but God, that was an exercise for us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Chris had had something on his, his computer and then on the TV or he had the, the regular had, version on one, this expanded version. I the had the regular version playing on a computer screen while I had the extended cut playing on a Blu-ray. <laughs> and I matched them up. And 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 whenever there was a deviation, I had to pause and watch the other part and then wait and then I and then it when it finally got back to the spot where I was on my Blu-ray. I had to match them back up again and everything. <laughs> um, I can't believe so. we did that. I know. Movie twice. And it was it, fun. It, it didn't make it, it didn't even make it a different movie. You know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. didn't add or detract from anything. You're still watching the exact same movie that you were watching mm-hmm. before. I'm betting that there's going to be slightly more slow motion in this <laughs> Snyder cut. So. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't see it being a completely different movie. I think you're going to be surprised, man. I think they've given him enough money. I think from what little I've read, I'm I'm expecting maybe 30% of it to be different. Interesting. Um, Like, I think that whole fight with Superman that they have before he's back on their team is going to go completely different from what I've read. He's got shots of Darkseid, the villain above Steppenwolf in this movie. Apparently, Cyborg, Gray Fisher, the actor, has been one of the guys going off about Joss Whedon um, on set behavior. Uh, But also, uh, Zack Snyder has publicly said Cyborg was the heart and soul of his Justice League movie. And when I watch Justice League, Cyborg is just there. Mm -hmm. So if if they gave him enough to finish shots that he didn't have finished in terms of like CG... um, you know, obviously, I don't think they're doing new reshoots or we would be seeing paparazzi photos of that shit. But I yeah. think it's going to be more different than you expect, but maybe not enough to make it any better. Will they bring back uh, Henry Cavill's mustache is the real thing. <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the question. Actually, I think uh, from what I read, that was mostly Joss Whedon's. Because once Joss came in, he he did the rewrite 
And that required Cavill to come back to do reshoots, but he already had the mustache and Paramount wouldn't budge. So I think that may not be in there at all. Um, oh. It's mostly just that opening scene where he talks to the kids through the cell phone cam. Yeah, that's where that's the worst. He had shot plenty of it the first time around without the mustache. So interesting, yeah. interesting. It'll well, be are interesting you, to are see. you uh, excited to watch it at all? No, um, <laughs> uh, just from an academic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I want to see it, and I'm. I think I'm prepared to admit if if it's demonstrably better or worse. Um, even if it's better, I just uh, the precedent is is slippery slope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I don't, as a fan, want to have to watch seven versions of a movie just to decide if it's good or not. Well, it's like apocalypse now, to, right? <laughs> what's to stop? I mean, what's to stop? You know, an executive producer of Justice League from going well. This or the editor. Well, this is not the version I wanted to put out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that version out next. Release the unknown editor's name. Cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do yeah. know Snyder is also adding back a bunch of Junkie XL score that um, Whedon nixed. So, mm-hmm. all right, be, be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's he's, that's why I'm wa- that's why I'm eager to watch it is because of all the stuff we just talked about the the academic part of it. Do we know when it's coming out? It's next year. Yeah, sometime in 2021. Oh, oh, so he's got yeah. a lot of time to work on this shit. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I've recently been through your Sincast Mount Rushmore series and would like to pose another Rushmore question to you all. Who is your Mount Rushmore of non-comic book movie antagonists? Uh, answers that cover AFI's top villains of all time, Jaws, Shark, Darth Vader, Wicked Witch of the West, probably feel obvious, but I'm interested if your extensive knowledge of other movies has... But I'm, but I'm interested. Do, if, do we have any other ideas for other antagonists that are not comic books? But do you have any other ideas? <laughs> love um, your channel. Love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, sure. There's a lot of non-comic book. Vanable uh, Lecter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of horror movie villains and everything. Uh, some that I listed would be Sauron from the Lord of the Rings. Um, nice. Uh, just the, a giant eyeball on, yeah. on the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing about Sauron is that he's, you don't really ever, uh, hear him, his inner thoughts or what he's doing or anything like that. He's just there and he's commanding armies and he wants that damn ring as we know all of that, but we don't hear him. I don't think there's only that one time where he comes out as a physical embodiment of, of himself towards the end of return of the King. Well, that's As what that I was big, wondering. You're you're a a Tolkien guy. Uh, what what is he? What what oh, is? I don't Sauron? know. I'm, I mean, you you say I'm a Tolkien guy. I've read the book. Yeah, well, I mean, more so than me. I haven't read but the books. Like I I I don't think that happened in the books. Jeremy, you probably know better than I do. No, it's uh, the ending is is slightly different. I don't think it ends that way in the books. Well, uh, I think he just fact- goes poof when they drop the. Thing in the doohickey yeah he doesn't show up as a physical knight like he does in return of the king which Mm-mm. i feel like they felt like they had to do that because you had this have this satisfied for some reason you had to have a satisfying oh i stabbed him and he's dead um <laughs> even though before you know, we do 30 more minutes of ending <laughs> yeah even though the tower itself and his eye crumbling would have been perfectly fine agreed um, well yeah is he a uh, wizard though like and that just materialized into this no he's he's a necromancer or something like that yeah something like that um i think he started out as a leaf 
<laughs> he did. He did. It worked his way up he slowly over a millennia. Powerful. He's like that leaf and Forrest Gump. That's what he was. The necromancer. Um, but um, yeah, he. Hey, I don't know, but he, he, I, th- I think he's a a great villain. I like. I said, I wish they didn't do the physical thing, but that would have been fine. Mm. Uh, he's great. Um, then there's uh, Pennywise from It, another oh, horror yeah. movie villain. Uh, Voldemort from Harry Potter. Mm, um, he's evil. Uh, of course, th- three I name right off the bat are based on books, so I don't know if that matters. If you know, it, comic book slash book or what? I think but, it matters. Um, it matters. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're in the tone of this questioner's question. And, and then I and then I I picked like Jigsaw uh, just ah. because the, even though it, he's even though he's impossibly smart about all the things that he's doing impossibly smart let's there's no way Jigsaw sat there while he was dying of cancer and researched 500 people he wanted to kill and knew all their fucking weaknesses and how to kidnap them and all that shit <laughs> yeah um, but like. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I threw in like Freddie, Jason, Michael Myers. Those, those are all like, would be, would be up there, um, as, uh, you know, potential candidates in It'd that scary mountain Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> the only like- problem with like, the only problem with somebody like Jason or Michael Myers is that they don't talk. Same thing with Sauron. They don't talk. Mm. They don't have any, you don't have any other real character other than that. They are evil yeah. and they, want to kill you and that's it mm-hmm. but freddie of course is wisecracking and everything that'd be a weird mount rushmore uh carving but <laughs> well so would pennywise <laughs> putting yeah. a bulbous head on there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right what i what i thought about for this exercise is people that have no compassion that really just look at their victims as cogs on a wheel basically they like uh they they, they've lost their humanity, uh, mm-hmm. but they're based in re- in reality, too. So uh, my first one is Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Uh, who it, it's such a weird uh, magic trick that Paul Thomas Anderson pulled in There Will Be Blood uh, to make this guy. We're, we're essentially rooting for this guy. He's, he's pro- projected as the protagonist from the beginning of the movie, but he's the worst type of human. <laughs> You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it doesn't even switch perspective to uh, to Paul Dano's character until much later on. Uh, so you're you're kind of primed to like this guy even while he's doing progressively, you know, eviler things. So yeah. yeah, he definitely doesn't have any humanity, especially by the end. Another person that has no humanity is Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. Michael Corleone, man, he doesn't give a shit who you are if you're related to him, if you're a rival. Like he just absolutely, and I, I think I've pinpointed the 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 moment uh, where where he really becomes the most ruthless leader. It's it's funny. It's in Vegas, and uh, he goes up and he he tells uh, Johnny, he's like, you know, uh, we want you to come sing at our casino and all that stuff. Convince your Hollywood friends to do the same. He's warm. He's he's loving to this this guy that uh, is essentially family. And then as soon as Mo Green walks in, he says. Do I have enough credit uh, to buy you out? And that, from that point on, Michael is a soulless villain throughout mm-hmm. all of uh, Godfather One and Godfather Two, 
And uh, by Godfather too, man, he's he's completely lost. Oh, he, yeah, that's the that's his sort of downfalls in Godfather too. Oh, absolutely, he loses so, everything. He loses Kay. Yeah. He loses the 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 he's, kids so violent and and unrelenting about it and everything and you know the 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 first movie sort of informs that uh a reason why he's like that is because you know it was in the end of the first one that's what gets him where he gets him where he needs to go is that violence and everything mm-hmm. so he makes the mistake of thinking that's what you do in every situation is yeah. you is you kill everybody who's just uh, disloyal or whatever uh, I love the fact in in Godfather how you can tell there's this seething underneath him from the very beginning in the wedding party because he tells that story to Kay and and he's telling a story about you know his father did all this shit and you know uh, you know made sure to did the offer he couldn't refuse and all that and then uh, you know telling this very like psychotic story and then goes that's a true story <laughs> and 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 just very without any affect to it and everything. <laughs> and like, this is the guy who's supposed to be good. Here's the guy who doesn't, isn't, isn't attracted to the gangster life. Yeah. But he says that in a very matter of fact way. Right before he, he says it. the, it's my family. Kay, It's not me, but right, he just, right. he just intimated that that's totally him. It's totally him. So <laughs> plus yeah. he tells that story in such a clinical way too. Mm-hmm. like either his signature or his brains would be on the contract. Yeah. <laughs> like he's describing a recipe or something. Right. Right. Like, and then, <laughs> And you're talking, it, it seems like he has absolutely no idea who he's talking to there. Right. Because that's a person who has no clue about gangster shit yeah. at all. He, she just thinks it's a war hero that she's she's dating and everything, and that he's not a part of that. And he's just, you know, brains or blood, you know, brains or blood or whatever. The fu- brains are signature on the fucking yeah. uh, contract. It's amazing you know? that she, she probably knows nothing about him uh, before that wedding sequence. Yeah, well, and 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 it it could be one of those things where you've fallen in love with somebody, and all those little warning signs you start forget, you start ignoring mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. So, like, she does ignore, ignore, ignore uh, to her own detriment. So, yeah, hell, she even like goes back to him after he's been away for a year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he just shows up at school and like, hey, I want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget about that Italian chick I was banging for a while. Right. Okay, my last two are also uh, characters without humanity: Agent Smith slash the mm. Architect mm-hmm. from The Matrix. Uh, because the Architect is just like you know we're running all these simulations, and when you're what what number is it, uh, Jeremy? That they're in. This is the Kermit? sixth time we will destroy it, yeah. and we have gotten exceedingly efficient at it. Here's a question: <laughs> This is the sixth time. They tried. Uh, they tried one where they, everybody was happy and it didn't work out. Um, but apparently, uh, there was still a Neo in that in that universe. No, that actually, no. I I think what the architect says is we tried a simulation, um, and everybody was happy and it didn't take what because because what he says is God, I'm a big fucking nerd. What he says <laughs> is I I prefer counting from the appearance of the first integral anomaly um, to the, to the next, uh, in which case you uh, are the sixth. Um, so I think this is the sixth matrix that has uh, the one who chooses. It's not always Neo. I don't think who mm-hmm. chooses to go save humanity, rebuild Zion 
and they if the loop starts over, this is the sixth loop of that. The the stuff where everybody was happy and it failed came before that. So there's oh. more than six worlds they've built then. Yes, this is the sixth matrix with the anomaly accepted as part of the system. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really think you could go pretty deep here, and not be wrong. But uh, no, no, that's that's uh, that's an interpretation I had never heard before. That was my interpretation. I really like that. I get it uh, confused. I love that architect scene, but he uses such uh, verbiage in there that I think the Will Ferrell uh, parody at the uh, mu- uh, movie awards, the MTV movie awards <laughs> is better than the actual thing. You get what they were going for. Like the, the second two matrixes are not as good as the first one. Uh, but I think they have gotten better with time, uh, at least for me, but that's the way that fucking guy would talk. He would use uh, super important words that you might not understand. Um, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm a Matrix nerd. I like uh, I like two better than three. Are you a three over two? Um, I am a three over two only because of uh, how the last third plays out like Star Wars to me, where we're jumping between Neo fighting and then we're jumping to protecting the docks and then we're jumping to a uh, girl who made the shells with the missile girl crawling through the pipes. And there's like three distinct pieces of action that we cut between for like 20 minutes and it's exhilarating. Uh, I, I think the second one's better in terms of concept, but that rubber Neo was, it's never going to look right. Nope. And it, it's really frustrating. <laughs> does have the greatest car uh, chase scene in the history. Yeah, it does. Um, does. Better than French connection, I hear. Oh, yep. Jesus. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll end it by saying Hans Landa is my last one. Uh, mm. Has no humanity whatsoever. Uh sees Jews as literally rats, right? You know? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And he thinks like a rat. And he gets a perverse joy out of finding them and killing them. And that's a soulless asshole right there. If yeah. you were going to do it based on people who have no humanity, you should have gone with Hal 9000. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought about him. I thought about him. He was going to be. But, uh, but he's not actively malevolent. Like he's just he's just he's basing... still an antagonist. That's true. That's true <clears throat> and memorable. And that's all I went for was like I was trying to think of like four of the most memorable antagonists that weren't based on comic books. So I came up with Hans Gruber. Oh, <laughs> double the Hans. Yeah, double the Hans. Um, Biff Tannen. Yeah, um, <clears throat> very memorable villain. Anton Chigurh. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. And Dolores Umbridge. From okay. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. God, she is a and dickhole, isn't she? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just I, I. It's it's one of the single best villain performances I've ever seen because I I can in the midst of hating her fucking guts still realize she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. <laughs> she's doing a great job in this. I don't really hate the person. Um, <laughs> yeah, but she she's got one movie basically to make you hate her like the devil, and she does it. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Even even reading that, I remember that's a. Uh, Goblet of Fire. No, it's not Goblet of Fire. It's it's the Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. Uh, I, when I read that, I was like, is it possible for me to hate this character anymore? And then it, it got to where he's like writing, stitching into his own hand and all that oh, stuff. Jesus. I was like, ah, oh, God, I hate you so much. Was, was, I'm trying to remember if Dolores Umbridge, I think one of, I, if I'm recalling, she's not part of that society. Um, that 
um, the Death Eaters. Voldemort. Yeah, the Death Eaters. I don't know if she's a Death Eater. She's just one of these people who I don't know. Maybe she is. I mean, no, I'm, I don't think she is, dude. No, I, think I think she's, she's just a, a bureaucrat yeah, that yeah. loves enforcing the rules and the minister. Even the minister is not part of Voldemort's crew. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's the one who sent her over there. Yeah, I think um, that's the thing is that she's supposed to be paralleling um, uh, somebody in the Nazi party, and I can't remember who it's who it is, but um, but it, it, she's not a part of that Death Eating crew, but she definitely does the things that sort of, uh, I guess, encourage and uh, get us closer to that sort of. Um, that sort of world and believes yeah. in it or something that, you know, like be- believes in that type of thing or something, whatever it is. I can't remember exactly what it is. about. That's an character. interesting point. Because look it up. You guys both named Harry Potter antagonists mm-hmm. and, and they're both yeah. coming from different directions. Cause you're right. I don't think she wants Voldemort in power. I think she wants herself in power. Right. Because I don't even think it's that. I think it's okay. To make the most obvious reference here, I'll make a political analogy. Uh, it's. I think she's party over everything else, uh, whichever political uh-huh. party she's a part of, and her political party is being manipulated by Voldemort. Uh, but uh, yeah. uh, she doesn't want him in power. But I don't think she's. Well, she's evil, but not the way he's evil, right, and not right. on his team. Right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> That's interesting. Um, just going off of Wikipedia here. Fictional character from Harry Potter. The character is primary antagonist, blah, blah, blah. Then it says, um, was stationed at Hogwarts by the Ministry of Magic to take power away from Harry Potter and Albus Dumbledore, who were informing the wizarding world of Lord Voldemort's return. While at Hogwarts, um, Umbridge grows in power and appoints herself as High Inquisitor in an attempt to control the school. Despite being assigned as defensive against the dark arts teacher, Umbridge refuses to teach anything practical in the subject, which leads to the formation of Dumbledore's army as a way for the students to learn how to defend themselves. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't think there's really anything about her. Oh, they, they is... want to quell the notion that that Voldemort could back. be back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. She's not. Working. And by the end of this movie, the minister's like, He's back because yeah, he sees yeah, him yeah. in the. <laughs> she's not working for Voldemort. She's just right. side in a way. She is because of the way, because of denial, basically, and yeah, and everything. She's so. tangentially evil. So, so Voldemort is COVID, <laughs> and she was the governor of Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, those you know that's uh, that possibly uh, one of the most interesting villain takes there is, right? Because she's not just part of that that good versus evil thing. She's just somebody who facilitates evil, um, even though she's not actively working for it. Uh, you know, it, it, that's something that we don't see often in in uh, in villains and everything. Is is that you're not you're not actively part of the problem, but you are making the problem easier to spread. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so it is Bill Lee. It is Bill Lee. <laughs> Bill Lee. Yeah. Uh, well, that will do it for this episode. Keep going to Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. We're also on Cinema Sins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on uh, SoundCloud. We're also on Discord. And if you want to get on Discord, 
go to our Reddit page and find the link on the right side, or you can private message me on Facebook and I'll give you a link there. That's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Oh my God, I was watching um, Lake Placid 2. Oh no. <laughs> Um, have you ever seen this movie? No, no, I've only um, seen the first one. Okay, so I, I gather there's three or four of them. I've only ever seen the first one, which is great. This one is, first of all, following basically the exact same plot. There's a Bill Pullman character who might be one of the Dukes of Hazard. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, there's a Bridget Fonda character who is uh, cute. Cute. Um, there's a Betty White character who lives on the lake, uh, and there's uh, an eccentric. A billionaire game hunter who is played by an actor whose name I won't remember, but he was Chandler's boss on several episodes of Friends. Um, <clears throat> a couple faces you'll recommend, but my God, uh, maybe the worst CGI I have ever seen in my life is when that billionaire hunter guy and his air quote seaplane arrive at the lake and air quote land on the water. It, it might as well be a piece of paper on a stick <laughs> that someone is holding up and shaking as they move it across the screen. It's it's like like Sharknado bad. Um, and uh, I had I had a good time. Did you watch um, the entirety of this movie? Oh no! Oh no! No. no. I think uh, I think Sam McMurray is the guy you're talking about. Um, who was um, right. He looks familiar as all. I, I don't really know who Chandler's boss was, but he looks old enough to be Chandler's boss in That's something. Him. And uh, and uh, I've seen his face before, but it looks <laughs> like Lake Placid has. Uh, yeah, it has a three and nice. it has a uh, Lake Placid legacy, of course, because every <laughs> every horror movie has to have a legacy at some point. They also have to have a final chapter, which it has That's one right. of those, too. And it has Lake Placid versus Anaconda. That is also in the lake. An entire lake versus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think, I think they're calling, I think they're calling the crocodile Lake Placid at this point. (laughs) Cause it's like one of those things where like a crocodile is running down the street and somebody's like, Oh, Lake Placid's after me. (laughs) Lake Placid's going to get you. Oh, I would encourage you to watch that movie. Just I tried to find it on YouTube and I couldn't. But just to, just for that one scene, it was like so bad. I, I imagine they were laughing when they made it. it was, I need to find. Uh, I bet there's a big Blu-ray collection of all the Lake Placids. All <laughs> there you go. I bet it's. I Lake. did that with Wrong Turn. I've got all like <laughs> I've got five Wrong Turns all in one nice. little set. I bet so, it's like a dollar ninety nine for yeah. all the Lake Placids. That's the best. Damn it, Lake Placid. (laughs) Down Lake Placid. (laughs) It's busy. I I like it like uh, TGI Fridays up in this bitch. (laughs) I said Alan Parsons Project, but it was Toto, so it's even better. Oh, that is even better. (laughs) Toto and Jay-Z. Who's more progressive? You know, I bet we could also work in a little Luff Balloons and make it a trifecta. We we could. (laughs) We could. (laughs)
99, it'll be 99, and a bitch ain't one love balloons. <laughs> nine is nine, nine is love balloons. <laughs> do you have uh, enough weed to tide you over <laughs> until tomorrow? <laughs> I do, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> I imagine that even if the weed guy is showing up, you have enough for another, like, three weeks. <laughs> That's not actually true. Uh, let it go a little. I try not to... This is not worth talking about, but let's do it anyway. Um, in the history of this guy being my weed guy, which is longer than I'd like to admit, uh, he has never once responded to a text I sent him on the weekend. Mm. And it's just his very like low-key way of saying, I don't do business on Saturday and Sunday. I'm not even going to reply to you. Mm. Um, and so I just don't even bother. And I just timed it wrong this time to where uh, if I don't, Get it by the end of this week. I'll be dry for a couple of days, but you know, <laughs> he said he was free tomorrow, so that'll be all right. There's always he, cocaine. <laughs> I, there is always cocaine, and you know, I put the company ahead of my own like weed. Look at you refill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that I smoke weed. <laughs> I don't do that. I think he stopped selling drugs a long time ago, but he still sells to me because I pay whatever he tells me it costs. <laughs> True. And he's like, I'm uh, out of the game, but this motherfucker me. He may be marking me up like a hundred percent, and it's just easy money. But he's a really nice guy, and literally the only weed guy in my entire life that has never said, "I don't have anything right now." Oh, the number one problem when you, when you have a, a weed guy. First of all, it's hard to get a weed guy. And once we got one, like every other time, you're like, "You got anything?" He's like, "No, I have nothing." And you're like, "Fuck." <laughs> that's the whole point of being a weed guy yeah exactly if you don't have any and- <laughs> i don't know if you knew but back in the 80s it was a major fucking shortage <laughs> <laughs> that story that tim roth tells in reservoir dogs yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to know everything about that you got to know if they have liquid soap or that powder shit they used to have in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what i went to chick-fil-a the other day oh, and yeah. they and uh we were driving through obviously and they have all this these things up of uh dining room is open mm-hmm. and i look in and there's a bunch of people sitting in the chick-fil-a yeah. and i'm wondering like i understand like being cooped up and like wanting to go to the palm or something like that but like who gets a boner for chick-fil-a so much that they have to eat it in doors in you- the enclosed space. Are, you're, you're, Listen, yeah, you're forgetting that don't care. Yeah, you're forgetting that those people think it's a hoax. Yeah, they don't <laughs> think it's real, man. <laughs> at least they don't, or at least they think they are personally impenetrable. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've I've taken a couple of uh, trips through the Chick Fil A drive through myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I go pick up food, and yeah. every time I pick it up, I I bring it home and I microwave that shit for like nine seconds, like a paranoid jerk but there's always people in these restaurants without masks standing in line eating talking the employees though all have masks so Mm -hmm. i'm sticking to places like that for now and if i go into a place and don't say a mask on the person making my food that's a Mm -hmm. note for me it's not about the odds of catching it in any one scenario it's about the shit i will feel if i catch it right something trivial or give it to my wife right right Oh, that McDonald's sure was tasty, but my wife is in the hospital. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad we did that. Never going to make sense to me. 
And so we were heading out right as the conversation was starting to, we were all basically saying like, oh, this guy is misinterpreting us and all that stuff. And as I was driving, I got a buzz on my uh, watch. And that's when Jeremy was like, unless they didn't include that paragraph. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so so I pulled over, I pulled over into like the BP by you uh, uh, or down Charlotte, I guess. Uh <laughs> Pulled into the BP, like raced in to get a paper. I felt like Michael Corleone when he finds out that Vito's been shot. Like he's <laughs> reading something about himself. So like I, I rip up in the Tennessee and in the in the uh, the gas station, and I'm like, "Where's? Do you guys have a parade magazine?" I felt like I was oh, in the God. 60s. <laughs> and then I look at it, and I'm like, uh, "I'll take one of these." And by the way, a newspaper Sunday newspaper is three fucking dollars. Jesus! So I was like, "How much?" You got is them this? coupons, man. <laughs> so I gave him, and then I go back to the car, like reading frantically. I'm like, "Oh God!" Yeah. And so I'm slacking you guys, and uh, it was just funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was weird to like pick up a newspaper and have you in there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Very cinematic. It's probably makeup, but even the trailer for that movie, I was like, yeah, hey, looks like, like they made it in two days, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it does. And then maybe they did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it won't matter. It'll make, you know, whatever it's going to make. It's not as though, it's not as though Keanu, it's not like, it's not as though he's a bankable to get you you know, a big box office every time out, right? Yeah, yeah. You like know, for every for every John Wick, which wasn't even, you know, like a four hundred million earner or anything, I don't think, there's a movie like the uh the forty seven uh oh, yeah, Ronin. Ronin. <laughs> or the Man of Tai Chi or, <laughs> Right. There are plenty of movies that people skip if they don't look interesting. Well yeah. Think- and the what was that one that he was in with uh, Winona Ryder recently? The wedding date, the wedding. Yeah, the wedding date. Crasher. No, de- destination wedding. Destination wedding. God damn, that was awful. Well, yeah. and I, I, this would be an interesting. I think this would be an interesting podcast in its own right. Uh, but just following, going into somebody's IMDb, somebody's a huge star, and look up some of the movies that they've done that you've never heard of. And and try to kind of figure out how the fuck did this get together? Like you got somebody this big for this movie. I've told you about that Keanu Reeves movie I watched that was on uh, Hulu called Exposed that has Ana de Armas in it. The other one with Ana de Armas. The other one with Ana de Armas. Yes, and uh, and like surprise, Christopher McDonald and and uh, and Mira Sorvino. Um, but like that movie is just like. That you watch that movie not following the plot, you're just going, "Whoa! How did this movie get made? How did they <laughs> convince Keanu this was a thing that he needed to do?" That's the that's the and then you know then the fucking plot is God is fucking harrowingly awful. <laughs> Rusty nail, <laughs> candy cane. <laughs> <laughs> Was it uh, who was it? It was uh, wasn't it like Ted Levine or somebody who was uh, Rusty Nail in, in Joyride? Is that what? It oh, uh, why do I always just picture um, beef? It's what's for dinner. Um, oh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. <laughs> I don't know who it really is, but it, it could be Joyride. Sam Elliott. It's not. Um, <laughs> let's see. 
I'm hope sure it is. But it's Why'd you steal my fucking voice? <laughs> <laughs> Murder. It's yeah, what's it for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> was indeed Ted Levine of Silence ah. of the Lambs fame. Excellent. Um, it puts the lotion in the basket candy game. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, look. This is definitely not going in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep 